0: But have you ever found yourself in a situation like that where you feel like God might be asking actually prompting you to do something and you think about the anticipated result of your action and you're not really all that overthrilled by what you think it's going to happen? Have you ever anyone ever had experience like that? I have. You know I, I can hear this guy's thoughts, right? He actually you did too, you know? It's like, you know, he's going to kill you. He, don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger, right? I'm just delivering this message for God, right? That's kind of what he's saying. But all day long, I would say this. We, you know, we represent someone else. All day long, we're faced face with choices, and we represent other people. And people make decisions and evaluate the net of, worth of what we re- represent based on their interaction with us. And as we're faced with these choices, we listen to this guy, we listen to this guy, and this guy, and this guy, and then eventually we make our decisions. Which character do we listen to? The one on the right shoulder, the one on the left shoulder? I started to think about this for, for me, just even me. So, who do I? All day long, we, we all represent something, right? Right now, in this very moment, I represent K2. Many of you are deciding if you agree with the, the theology, as I'm about to share with you, or if this you know, maybe I should have a tie on. And you're trying to decide if you're going to interact with K2 based on me, right? Or the theology, or uh, as I'm out and about, I meet people, I talk with them, I say, hey, you should come to K2. And based on that interaction, they decide whether they want to do it. But even more than that, like I represent, like for my family, I represent what a father's supposed to be to my son and my daughters, my sons and daughter. I represent what a husband is supposed to be to them. And they decide based on how, what they see. You know, and I, I have to tell you, here's a little story that really hit home with me. I was little, I, was, I don't even remember how young I was, but probably elementary school, I would guess. And uh, my older, I have two older brothers, and the one, not my oldest brother, but the next brother older than me, I don't remember what happened. We were outside probably playing sports. That's what we did all summer long. And he did something, and I just blew a head gasket. And I decided I was going to kill him Right, I was going to destroy my brother, <laughs> and so I just went nuts and my oldest brother grabbed me and stopped me and he 'd go, "Okay, Mike, are you done going go, yeah okay i 'm done he 'd let me go and I'd go after him again. This happened a bunch of times, and I mean I was really being a raving lunatic, and the uh, r- truth of the matter is, my brother would have actually crushed me like a pea but i didn 't care. I was so inflamed, and I just went nuts, and I kept going finally it, however it ended i don 't even know. But the next day, my mom comes to me, and she says, hey, do you know, you know the Hicks across the street? That was, Hick, was that, that was their actual name. I wasn't being mean. <laughs> Hicks was their name. Okay, so don't judge. Uh, anyway, um, she said, she, she came to me, and she talked to me, and I said, oh, yeah, what about She said, so remember your little tantrum yesterday? I said, yeah. Well... She was kind of surprised by that. And she said to me, my mom's name is Betty. Betty, so you call yourself a Christian, right? Follower of Jesus? Yeah. And when I saw that, is that how you Christians raise their family? And I realized in that moment two things. Number one, I represented Christ because I was a believer at that time. I was young, made a mistake, okay. But I also represented the Rutledge name, so my mom and dad were actually evaluated on the basis of what I did. It hit home for me. We use this phrase in our house all the time. You're a Rutledge. <laughs> when, when our kids are, not that this would ever happen, but if it would happen that, say, my son was doing homework and it wasn't best quality, we might say something to him, you're a Rutledge. Rutledges don't do shoddy work because he represents me. He represents my name. You know, and all day long, we all represent a lot of things. Think about this for yourself. Let me ask you this. What is, just think of a couple things that you represent. I don't know, maybe for you, maybe it's your work. Are people deciding whether they want to use your company that you represent based on their interaction with you? It's kind of a big deal. It is your boss, just so, just so you know. To your boss, it's a really big deal if they don't use your company based on your interaction. That's not going to be a good scenario for you for the long term. What about family? Maybe your family name. You know, the Bible tells us a good name, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So you want to represent your name well. I do. I want people to think highly of the Raleigh's name. Maybe it's Christianity for you. Do you actually ever stop and think about this? Because this is the bulk of what he's talking about in this passage that we're looking at today. That we are actually the representatives of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And based on their interaction of what they see with us, they're making the evaluation on whether they want to pursue Christianity or being a follower of Christ. All day long, y'all are representing and if that was an actual gang sign, I'd like to apologize to you. If you're a gang member, it was unintentional. Please don't pop a cap in me, okay? It was accidental. And I have to tell you today, you know, this message, just so you know, is going to be really focused on those of you who call yourself Christians. And we find this term first happens in, in Acts chapter 11, verse, verse 26. It's the first time it's used, and it. what it means is to be a follower of Christ, someone who lives the principles and values of Jesus Christ, a Christian. It's the first time it's used in the Bible, okay? So I'm going to use that term follower of Christ and Christian synonymously today. And I'm going to be focused primarily on those of you who are call, call yourselves Christians. The good news is this, we're not the first people to deal with this this passage in 2 Corinthians has a ton to say about this very issue of being a representative of Christ it was a big deal then it still is today and during our time together this morning I want to take a deeper look into this subject and really try to understand what it means to be the aroma as he calls of Christ will you pray with me before we go on though Lord Jesus thank you uh, for your love and the multiple promises you give us But with those promises, you also have expectations and you ask us to be uh, specific things. Today we're going to be looking at being the realm of Christ. I pray that you would speak through me. May my words be something more than just my brain speaking out thoughts, but that you would actually speak your words through me and that they would permeate our hearts and change the way we live. Make us transformed in our thinking so that our actions are different. We ask this in your name. Amen. So I think that there are four things we need to understand here. So now we're into the bulk of this message. There are four things that we need to understand, and these are probably the most theological points you'll ever hear from me. So I'm going to ask you, write these down, okay? Because these are really, really important. Four things. The first thing is this you smell. Okay? You're not writing. You smell. We are the fragrance of Christ, as we're referred to. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, we are his fragrance. Now remember, I'm primarily focusing on those of us who call ourselves Christians or followers of Christ today, but the truth is that we all smell like something. You may smell like Christ or you may not smell like Christ, but we all smell like something. You know what? It's interesting. I started, you ever smell a ferret? Anyone? Okay. Okay. Well, you know why they smell like they smell? Because they're ferrets. That's why they smell like that. Okay? Everyone has a smell, and those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ smell like him to the world around us. I want to take a look back in this passage that I read to open up. 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He says this. But thanks be to God who leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and who are perishing. He uses this term again, triumphal procession. And again, I I explained it a little bit, but what he's saying, I I did a little bit of research on this and it was, I, I didn't like where it went actually. Because what he's talking about, this triumphal procession is where where. The victor marches through the town, trailing those that he's conquered behind him. And at first, what I wanted to believe is that I'm one of the warriors marching along beside the king, right? That feels good to me. It's not what he's saying. And I tried to make it that, but it didn't work. What he's actually saying is, I am one of the captives. I'm one of those who has surrendered, and I'm tailing along behind the victor. And the reason I didn't like that, you know why? Because I'm not in charge then. See, see, we all want to be in charge at some level. And I don't like it because it takes me out of the control seat. See, in order to be involved in this triumphal procession as a Christian, you have to be fully surrendered to him. I have to say, okay, you're, I'm, I'm a captive to you. I give it up. You're in charge. I'm not. That's the first thing. And Paul is talking about being one of the captives, not the king here. And he's talking about you who call yourself Christians you're a captive. He says this in John 14:31. This is Jesus talking and he says this, "But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me." So what does he say? Is he the victor? No, he's the one who surrenders to God. He surrenders to God. And then in Philippians, Paul, who also wrote 2 Corinthians, that we're pulling our passage from, he says this. Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Okay, we just said that he does exactly what his Father commands him. Your attitude should be that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all names. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, right? Gave him a name that is above all names. That at the, knee, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and, every, and, and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God our Father. So we say, Jesus surrenders to God, be like him, surrender to me, and that brings glory to God. The triumphal procession is me surrendering and being led through the street as a captive. Don't really like it that much. That's what it means though. Ephesians chapter 5, and I have a lot of scripture I'm going to throw at you today, so you write this stuff down and you want to check how I'm doing with this, you can. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Jesus Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And you need to understand, this is really, really interesting. The Old Testament imagery he's using in this statement where he says, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Multiple times. I, I started looking at this and I lost count in, starting in Genesis chapter 8 and then in Exodus and Leviticus, all through this. He uses this term where he says, we, uh, that he uses also in 2 Corinthians, we are the aroma of Christ. And he, but he says this, we are, the aroma of the sacrifice is pleasing to God. See, he doesn't need you to be the great victor. He needs you to be The aroma of the sacrifice, willing to submit to him fully. See, that's a really different deal. And it says multiple times, and this is what Paul's saying when he's writing this, the aroma is pleasing to him when you surrender fully to him. Being in the triumphal procession means we have fully surrendered to God. But smelling like Christ also means that we're his representatives. Not only are we his captives who have fully surrendered, we are also his representatives. He leads us, he says, in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Again, we said this spreads, this term he uses means to make apparent the invisible, right? You walk through the streets, you smell barbecue. You know there's a barbecue going on, right? You don't see it, but you know it's there. The same kind of imagery is, is, is he's using here. He spreads it through you. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is a really, really interesting story. Peter and John had been called before the uh, council, the Jewish council, to uh, sort of defend themselves for some of their actions. They were doing some stuff that, that the Jewish council didn't like, okay? And uh, so they go and they get into this, a little bit of this de- debate with them. And, and, and the verse says this, 413. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. First of all, Peter was the one that denied him three times. And now he's this guy that's got this amazing boldness. See, they smelled like Christ and the Jewish council realized it because they were fully surrendered to living and being a follower of Jesus. Jesus. So when you surrender yourself fully and allow yourself to be taken captive in triumphal procession, you become the aroma of Christ to those around you and to God. You are his representative. So first thing is you smell. The second deep theological point is this. You smell good to some. Now, I probably don't need to belabor this. Have you seen that commercial? This guy's in a um, uh, like a, I don't know, a tram car or something. I don't know what he's in, like a subway. And he's got his arm like this. It's some deodorant commercial. And all of a sudden, this girl like nestles, nestles up to him and she's got her nose in his armpit smelling like, have you seen that commercial? No, am I making that up? I might be. Anyway, uh, th- see, this is what it's talking about. To some people, that smell is a good smell. And I'll just it says here, again, in, in this second Corinthians passage, chapter two, verse 15, "For we are, to God, the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one, we are the smell of death, to the other, the fragrance of life." Romans 15, or 10:15, says that, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And I just want to say this on this point. How many of you could say, yeah, I believe that the aroma of Christ is a good smell. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a good smell. You could say, yeah, because uh, I smelled that aroma on someone else, I'm here today. My life is different today. My guess is that many of you are here in this very room as the result of seeing that smell or smelling that smell on someone else, the smell of or the aroma of Christ, and it brought life to you. A few, few, I don't know, month or a couple months ago, we talked about this. Uh, we did a series called "Everything You Need" from Second Peter, and I, my my assertion would be this: that if you have experienced the promises made, that Jesus Christ is everything you need then the aroma of Christ is pleasing to you, right? If you really believe Jesus Christ is all you need, he smells good. The third point is this, though. It's a bad smell to some. It smells bad. You know, uh, He says, uh, in, in, again in Corinthians, you're not only the fragrance of life, but to the one, you are the smell of death. Now, I, don't, I, I thought about this a little bit, and I, I'm not really sure exactly why we're the smell of death. And I think that there, you know, maybe some people are actually just indifferent about it, but, but as I thought about it, I'm not sure if it's because we, when you live a fully surrendered life to Christ, is it that we expose something in someone else? It could be, I don't know or Or do we represent something that seems like death to them i i don't know could it Could it just be that looking at how we live our life, it feels like we're wasting our life and you know i I don't really know, but it says clearly that we are the smell of death you know uh a f- just just a few minutes ago i or i just read this Romans ten. Verse fifteen where it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who who bring the good news. Hear what the next verse says? It says, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed the message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not all hear? Of course they did. Your voice has gone out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I held out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate people. Didn't smell good. Didn't want it. Don't know why. It's a fact. You know, you're only uh, going to, uh, you know, a ferret smells good to a ferret, right? Not to me. And, and as I thought about this, too, um, how many of you guys actually struggle with um, wanting to be liked? Be honest here. Anyone struggle with that? I really want people to like me. Well, me either. Um, but <laughs> see, this is the tough one. It's easy to be someone representing something that everyone likes, right? But when you represent something that people don't like, it gets a little tougher, and we're clearly told that we're not going to. And, and uh, I was, we, Susie and I, uh, there's uh, Jack Wilson is his name. He's a, a counselor uh, back at Kensington in Detroit. And he came out, right, like maybe was it was about a year after we launched Susie or something like that. And he came out and he just, he wanted to meet with us all. And we started talking with him. And as Susie and I were talking with him, he used one of the most wonderful and difficult th- phrases. He said, what you need to do is you need to take off your Velcro suit and put on your Teflon suit. See, because what happens is when I try and put all of my value in how people respond to what I'm doing, things stick to my Velcro. And he says, you can't do that. You can only be obedient and let God do what he's going to do, right? And when you wear Velcro, nothing sticks to Velcro, right? Or I mean, to uh, Teflon. So how do they get it to stick to the pan? I don't know. But... If you put on your Teflon suit, stuff doesn't stick to you. I, 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 uh, was, Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was called the weeping prophet. Uh, <laughs> he had a rough gig. And so if you, just let me just tell you this. If you think that you're immune to any of this stuff, that you, no, you actually can live the aroma of Christ and people will not dislike you. If you believe that, you should just take a nap, okay? Because the rest of this isn't going to make any sense to you because it's not true. Jeremiah was ordained before his birth to be a prophet to Judah. He's called the weeping prophet. And, and uh, what, what, they, what, what, what you find out as you read about Jeremiah is 40 years he prophesied to the people of Judah. And here's basically how it went down. Jeremiah, you're going to prophesy to Judah, Over and over again. Uh, Oh, and by the way, they're not going to listen, but do it anyways, okay? Go get them, champ. That's his call right there. They're not going to like you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to hate you, despise you. Go for it. Rough gig. Jesus even told his disciples, hey, look, they don't even perspective for you, if you think you can live your life as a follower of Christ, who was rejected and crucified, and not experience that, you're either better than him, doubt it, or you're living in denial. You're going to be rejected. I I just want to tell you, I have a whole bunch of, so many passages, um, but one thing I would tell you, too often I think what happens is we sprinkle in the values of Americana into our spiritual soup here. And we think that if God calls us to it, what happens? Well, he's going to bless it, and he's going to bring money to it, and we're going to get promotions and be more popular, just like it worked for every single disciple. Wait, who was murdered or killed? Right. Besides them, though. You see, and I'm not saying that God doesn't bless stuff financially when he calls you to it. I'm just saying he doesn't always do that. There are times when you will be despised. Here's a great story, Stephen. This is probably my favorite uh, passage or story in in uh, the New Testament, and it's the story of Stephen. Stephen. Uh, now, the gospel had just broken loose, right? Stuff's going all crazy, and uh, it, it's it's in Acts uh, chapter six and and chapter six and seven. And what happens is um, he goes before the council. They call him in to. Uh, give account for his actions. And so he goes before the council. And uh, here's what it says. I'm going to read a a little bit of the uh, front section. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition, however, hmm, go figure, arose. From the members of the synagogue... Of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as provinces of Cilicia and Asia, these men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded men to say, "We've heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against God, just like happened to Jesus." Right? You stiff-necked people! Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. I don't want to get there yet. Uh, so he, he's they can't, they can't they're losing in the battle. So they try and get people to falsely testify against him. So what he says is in this little section between what I just read and what I'm about to read, here's what he does. He goes, let me, let me explain something to you, Lucy. You, your ancestors rejected, you know, Moses came to you. You rejected him and Aaron and all the prophets came and one by one, you killed them all. All your ancestors killed every prophet. They hated them. They rejected them. And then Jesus came and you killed him. Nice work. He says here in verse 51 of chapter 7, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him you who have received the law that was put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. And then when they heard this, they began, uh, they were furious and gnashed their teeth, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God, fully surrendered to God, right? Doing what he knew he had to do with some pretty rough results. Looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, look, he said, I've seen, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragged him out, in, uh, out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Jesus prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. <laughs> and when he said this, he fell asleep. Saul, incidentally, the, peop- the, the person who they laid their garments at the feet of, that's Paul who wrote the mul- bulk of the New Testament. See, a transformation, you don't always know what's going to happen. You may be rejected and the story doesn't end right there. I think that's pretty encouraging to know. But even if that doesn't happen, you can only do what you know is right, as he did. One other verse, and then I'm going to just kind of move into closing out here, but one other verse is this. Luke uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Uh, ver- verses 51 through 54, this is the contemporary English version, and it goes like this. Do you think that I came to bring peace to the earth? No, indeed. I came to make people choose sides. A family of five will be divided, with two of them against the other three Fathers and sons will turn against one another, and mothers and daughters will do the same. Mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law will also turn against each other. Here's the Mike Rutledge version of that. I didn't come to win a popularity contest. I came to bring the truth. And when you represent something, people pick sides. Some like it, some don't. You can't have everyone like you. You won't smell good to everyone. So, great information. Let's call it a day, right? See, again, this isn't a textbook. It's not a history book. Incomplete. This is a life manual. Great information. Well, what does it mean? Okay, so I smell. Some like it, some don't, right? What do I do with that? The answer to me is pretty straightforward it's the fourth thing. Write this down, check your pits. (laughs) right do you really smell like you think you smell do you my wife says actually what you should do is tell people to have this person sitting next to them check their pits because they'll tell them if they smell good so go ahead and do that right now would you (laughs) apparently not Um, 2 Corinthians 3 Again, this passage we're looking at, 3, 2, and 3. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, all day long, people are reading our lives as letters of recommendation for Christ and deciding if he is worth exploring. Let me ask you this. What is your letter of recommendation saying about Christ? Do you ever think about that? Did you stop and think about that? They used to advertise these on TV. Uh, they were like perfumes or colognes that would say like, you know, if you like brand X at $70, you can buy this that's the same, but it's only $12. You ever seen those? You Ever smelled them? Here's the deal: If you bought, I like Cool Water as a cologne. I like. If I had to buy Cool Water based on this generic brand that was supposed to smell like cool, cool water, I would never buy that brand because it smells nothing like it. Or Hydrox cookies? Come on, those are not Oreos. They're not. <laughs> Stop! Try, it's a lie. My this is a funny story. My mom, uh, she would do this. My mom, I don't know. She thought she was tricky or something, but she would do this thing where she, you know, always creative in the kitchen. She'd do powdered milk and think we wouldn't know, right? Stuff like anyone else, yeah. Well, come on. But the best one she did was this. This is awesome. She made this stuff called mock apple pie, right? She didn't tell us, and she served it to us, and we're eating. I'm like, what is this stuff? You know, it's apple pie. You know, she says. This is not apple pie, mom. Okay, well, it's mock apple pie. How come there's no apples in it? Well, that's what it is. It's made with Ritz crackers. And I'm like, it doesn't taste like apple pie. It's horrible, mom. I love you, but it's horrible. It doesn't taste like apple pie. See, and the problem is when we try and be something or say we're something that we're not, it doesn't trick people. It doesn't fool people. I'm gonna ask, you know, the band, you guys, why don't you come on forward or come on up and as we transition into time of musical worship? But I want to share with you just a few closing thoughts. See, we're called the aroma of Christ, and if we don't smell like Christ, I just want to tell you that people are smelling you and saying, That's what Christ smells like, I don't want any part of it. If that's true of your life you need to examine why you want to call yourself a follower of Jesus. Do you really smell like Jesus? Because if you smell like Jesus, you're fully surrendered. And remember, people are reading your life letter, your recommendation for Jesus, all day, every day. And they are deciding on whether to become a follower of Jesus based on you. Who is equal to this task? Remember, he says that. You want to know what people think about Christianity? Ask people who aren't Christians. Mahatma Gandhi said this. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Okay. Hmm. Anyone feel a little convicted by that? I have to ask myself this question often. If Jesus Christ had to decide on whether he would be a follower of himself based on his observation of me and and the letter of recommendation my life is making for him, would he follow himself? Maybe you need to ask yourself that same question. Would Jesus Christ be a follower of himself if he based it on his observation of you. And I said I was going to focus primarily on believers today, but I'm going to ask you guys this too, if you're not a believer, say, I'm not a follower of Christ. What is your life's letter recommending? (laughs) Because we all smell like something, right? Do you like what your life letter recommends? Do you? Because I'm not going to try and talk you into believing something you don't believe. That's not my job. It says, we are an aroma to Christ. I do this for him and for myself to be the aroma to others. You don't want to buy it? Don't buy it. Revelation says, I know your deeds and they're not hot, they're not cold. I'm going to spit you out. Because the last thing we need are more people who pretend to be followers of Christ. I'm not going to try and talk you into this. If you don't get it? Don't go for it. That's fine. Well, it's not fine, but it's your decision. If you're happy with what your life letter is recommending, go for it. But if not, you might consider taking a step of faith into trusting Jesus and becoming someone who calls himself a follower of Christ. Would you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, we, uh, again, we're thankful that you are so gracious to us and you love us so much and you extend your love to us. You offer us life to those who are being saved. And I don't know, as I look out over this congregation, I evaluate my own life as well. I, I just, I, have to ask myself Jesus I would you please convict those of us who would call ourselves followers of Christ but smell like something else would you purify our hearts make us truly like you i'm just going to ask you just don't look just keep your head down your eyes closed but Love to pray. If there's anyone out here today and you say, you know what, I actually would appreciate you praying for me because I think there's some stuff I could deal with. Would you raise your hand? Anyone out there who says, I, "I, man, you could pray for me. And just so you know, my hand is raised right now because I believe I need prayer every day. I got stuff in my life. Jesus, everyone who out here who's saying, yes, I recognize this, that, that I don't represent an accurate scent of Jesus Christ. Help me. I'm just going to ask anyone out there who says I've never taken that step I'd like to take that first step in believing if you want to raise your hand pray for you and you can meet with me up here as well and if you raise your hand please don't leave without talking to me don't leave Jesus Christ you meet with us here today change us to be your aroma, not our own aroma. Purify us. Lead us. Change us from the inside to the outside so that our actions rec- represent what's on the inside. This is in your name. Amen.